It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. For President Zelensky, the timing came as a bit of a surprise sat on a plush leather sofa with Ukrainian flags hanging behind him, dressed in his trademark hoodie, the new combat uniform for presidents at war, he was in the middle of a TV interview with Sky News, thanking Britain for its help. When the news broke that more help and more tanks were on their way. Ah, just now... Ah, I have a call scheduled with Schultz. My spokesperson just told me that Schultz has agreed to give us leopard tanks. I'm having a call with him just after this interview. I'm very happy. For Ukraine, the German announcement was like the cavalry arriving. For months now, they've been pleading for one thing that they say could make a real difference. Over 60 tonnes in weight, 1,500 PS. Start up the engine of the Leopard 2A7V. The Leopard 2A7V. They're big, they're modern, they're powerful, they're even air-conditioned. And now, after months of prevarication, they're on their way to Ukraine. Germany has confirmed it will send Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine and allow other countries to do the same. For weeks, ministers in Kiev have called on ministers in Berlin to allow them to use the Leopards in their country. Now that call has been answered. Within hours, that announcement from the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz was followed by one in Washington. Today I'm announcing that the United States will be sending 31 Abram tanks to Ukraine. So what persuaded Germany to send tanks to a war in Europe? And will it change attitudes amongst the Germans who fear a war with Russia? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, release the leopards. How Germany agreed to send tanks to Ukraine. My name is Oliver Moody. I'm the Berlin correspondent for The Times and The Sunday Times, and I cover Germany and the chilly half of Europe, the northern, central and eastern parts. Ollie, last week, after 
weeks of tension and foot dragging and, and a sense of will they, won't they, finally, a set of announcements seemed to generate a flurry of headlines around the world. Talk us through that moment in Germany when it was suddenly announced that they'd changed their mind on support to Ukraine. After all these months of lobbying from essentially all sides internationally and in the German government of the Chancellor Olaf Scholz to release these German-made Leopard 2 tanks that the Ukrainians have been asking for almost since the start of the war, the dam finally broke last Wednesday. Critical new CNN reporting now on a potential giant change in U.S. policy that could have dramatic consequences for the battlefield in Ukraine. Sources telling CNN the Biden administration is finalizing a deal to send American-made Abrams tanks to the battlefield. And it broke with a leak from the American government suggesting that America was going to deliver some of its own M1 Abrams main battle tanks to the Ukrainians. And then with sort of suspiciously neat timing, about an hour and a half later. There are widespread media reports that German Chancellor Olaf Scholz will today announce a decision to send Leopard tanks to Ukraine. A very similar report appeared in the German media with officials saying that they were in fact going to release these Leopards. When the announcement came, what was the reaction like amongst the, the press corps in Germany? A mixture of surprise and absolute I could have told you so. The I could have told you so element is that the pressure had been coming from Washington, from London, from Paris, from Warsaw, from Kiev, from the Baltic states, from MPs within his own Social Democratic Party. And it was patently clear that at some point he was going to have to yield to it and deliver these tanks. The surprising part was that he managed to persuade the Americans to do so as well. There had been a lot of doubt about that. The Pentagon in particular had been really resistant to the idea of sending the Abrams and said it was inappropriate and this was really for Germany to make a, a sovereign decision of its own. So there was quite a bit of surprise that Schultz had pulled that off. Just talk us through how many tanks Ukraine wanted and how many you know during the course of that day were suddenly coming through just for background ukraine has loads of tanks we don't know exactly how many because keeping a tally of things like their losses and how many of the tanks they capture from the russians are actually in a usable state is really tricky but um it's certainly um if not in the high three figures then possibly in the low four figures but these tanks are for the most part aging Soviet-era T-72s and things like that. So they're really prone to kind of breaking down. Um, some of them are not very manoeuvrable. They often get sort of outgunned by the Russian tanks. So the Ukrainians mm. have said, we need at least 200, preferably 300, modern, Western, state-of-the-art battle tanks. And now Ukrainians can expect to get at least 125, possibly up to kind of 150 or something like that. And the German Leopard 2 tanks are certainly an upgrade. Like German cars, they take engineering and advertising very seriously. 
The A7V, with V standing for improved version, has additional safety measures compared to the previous model. Its night combat capability has been modernized, as has its interior air conditioning. The German Leopard 2s, why were they so keen on them in particular? It's just that there's so many of them. There's more than 2,000 all over Europe, and there's a very good network for maintenance and spare parts. So the idea is you can almost have this kind of conveyor belt of these German-made tanks going across the border into Ukraine, that you can fix them very easily. It would just be an awful lot easier to get loads of them to the front line and keep them there. And when they finally announced that they would be offering some to Ukraine, what was the reaction from Russia? The Russians couldn't really make their mind up on how to respond. On the one hand, you had Dmitry Peskov, the Kremlin's Chief spokesman, basically Putin's personal mouthpiece, saying it wouldn't change anything and these tanks would burn just like all the others in Ukraine. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you had the Russian ambassador in Berlin, Sergei Nechayev, saying that this was an absolutely enormous escalation and would essentially destroy any hope of rebuilding what used to be the very special relationship between Germany and Russia and basically saying that Germany had with this move, finally cast off its sense of historic responsibility for the atrocities of, of the Second World War. And what I think is going on there is that these Russian statements might sound contradictory, but that's because they're aimed at different mm. audiences. So the Kremlin is addressing the world. It doesn't want to look like it's rattled by this development on the battlefield. But in Germany, the Russians have been trying for many years to play on these very specific German senses of danger and also of, of historical guilt, particularly towards Russia. Take us back to just over a week ago now at the Ramstein Air Base. And this is the biggest conference of would-be donors to Ukraine taking place in Germany, of all places. Just describe the mood back then. Germany is coming under increasing pressure to donate its Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine. Now, the issue is set to dominate the latest meeting of the Ukraine Defence Contact Group, which is underway right now at the US airbase in Rammstein, Western Germany. So you have to imagine this, this absolutely enormous Cold War era US airbase in southwest Germany, the biggest logistics hub for the US operations all over our part of the world going down into Africa and parts of the Middle East. And for the past few months, the Pentagon has been organising these regular conferences of about 50 nations that are backing uh, Ukraine to some degree. And this was probably the most tense meeting yet because the absolutely central question was whether Ukraine was going to get these Western battle tanks or not. This is not a moment to slow down. It's a time to dig deeper. The Ukrainian people are watching us. The Kremlin is watching us. And history is watching us. And the absolute centre of attention there was just one man, that the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who very much appeared to be the last obstacle to this plan coming off. And the meeting ended inconclusively. That was certainly a moment where there was really intense frustration and criticism of Germany from some of its impatient allies. 
tell us a bit about Olaf Scholz and his style of, of leadership. Olaf Scholz certainly has a kind of modus operandi, and he's had it for, for years, even back when he was mayor of Hamburg. He had an inner circle of two or three very, very close, trusted lieutenants, and he would sit down with them and he would formulate what he wanted to do, and he would stick to it. And in office, he's carried on pursuing that method. It's a very secretive, uncommunicative, very, very self-confident style of leadership. Why was the German government so reluctant to, to send tanks to Ukraine? We've had so many reasons given by various parts of the German government that, it, to be honest, it's pretty hard to know which ones they take really seriously. From the conversations I've had, it boils down to two things, one of which is basically fear that Russia could escalate or retaliate in some form varying from, you know, stepping up war crimes in Ukraine to broadening the conflict beyond Ukraine's borders or even attacking Germany itself. And then the second factor, it's this... Um, squeamishness about the idea of these these sophisticated offensive weapons turning up on the front line in Ukraine with German insignia on them. The kind of echoes of the panzers and tigers on the Eastern Front in 1941. For a country that's wrestled with its past as long and as conscientiously as Germany, it's still not necessarily an easy thing to contemplate. We're often told that there is still the hangover, the guilt from the end of the Second World War. Is that something that you can sort of feel when you speak to people in Germany about the war in Ukraine now? It's surprising how often it does come up. And obviously it gets instrumentalised, right, by both sides of the argument. It's a rhetorical tool as much as a, something that is sincerely felt. But that doesn't mean it's not also sincerely felt. And there's a fascinating debate going on in, in Germany right now about what its responsibility for the things that happened in the Third Reich entails now. Does it mean mm. Germany has a historic duty to hold back and not to be the aggressor country, to be a kind of force for restraint? Or does it mean Germany has an active responsibility to prevent war crimes and atrocities being carried out by a country that attacks its neighbours as Germany once did. And I get the strong sense that actually that debate is very much shifting towards the more active sense of duty. And it wasn't just that Germany was reluctant to give its own tanks to Ukraine, but it was stopping other countries from doing the same. Tell us a bit about that. There is a set of regulations governing what's called re-export, where a country that manufactures weapons has a say, or rather a veto, over what happens to them afterwards. So these Leopard 2 tanks, the vast majority of them aren't owned by Germany anymore. They've been sold to 13 other countries in NATO. And yet Germany still ultimately has to give its permission if they're going to be sold or donated on. So Poland, which has been one of the most kind of vociferous supporters of Ukraine throughout this conflict, first floated the idea of being at the spearhead of an international coalition that would give these Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine in concert. But for that, it needed Germany to give the green light. The Polish government formally applied to Germany for the right to re-export its own Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine. Obviously, as things stand, Germany has to be able to approve the re-export of German manufactured tanks to Ukraine. 
that had been really what we were all waiting for, for Germany not just to send its own tanks, but to open the gates for all these other countries to do so as well. And Oliver, what do the polls say about how popular it is to be arming Ukraine at all, but certainly to be sending these tanks now? This has been the thing that Germany's allies have been most worried about, that the public, which had for the the first months of the war been really supportive, might get cold feet as the winter came in, as their gas bills went up and as the progress in the war kind of ground to a halt. And what we've seen is that on the whole, that support has eroded a little bit, but that there is still a kind of narrow majority of public opinion that is in favour of maintaining support to Ukraine. On the tanks question, it was initially pretty unpopular. Really? That has shifted a bit. It's now pretty much 50-50. But in in absolute terms, that means that you've still got maybe 40, maybe 45% of the German population that has very serious reservations about what Germany's doing here. Coming up, despite Germany's reservations, could these tanks be a game changer for the war in Ukraine? That's after a quick word from a colleague. I'm Christina Lamb. I'm chief foreign correspondent of the Sunday Times, and I mostly cover conflict around the world. I particularly focus on what happens to women in war. And the reason that we can do this kind of reporting is thanks to the subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. So please subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com. Oliver, we know it's not necessarily a popular decision with the whole of the German public. What was it that sort of made them pivot towards sending tanks? The pressure on Schultz had basically become irresistible and he was going to have to give way sooner or later. Where was that pressure mainly coming from? From the international media, it was coming from Ukraine. It is in your power to make a Rammstein of tanks not to bargain about different numbers of tanks, but to open a principled supply that will stop Russian evil. It was coming from Poland. 
In particular, Germany, they have 350 uh, Leopard tanks operational and 200 Leopard tanks in stores. Why to keep them in stores? Poland and the free world cannot afford not to send uh, Leopard tanks and not to send modern weapon uh, to Ukraine. It was coming from Britain, which was the, the first country to say that it would send over modern battle tanks. Today I can announce the most significant package of combat power to date to accelerate Ukrainian success. This includes a squadron of Challenger 2 tanks. With In part, just to kind of try and chivy on the Germans. And it was coming mm. from the US through back channels. It was coming from Brussels. It was coming from you know, Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission. Ukraine should get all the military equipment it needs and it can handle. And this also includes the advanced system. Extraordinary for a former German defence minister to come out and say, Germany, get your act together. It really was from, from pretty much all quarters. The really kind of decisive trigger moment was when the US, which had previously been pretty resistant to the idea of sending its own tanks, said, OK, Germany, if it matters so much to you, we will send 31 of our own M1 Abrams tanks. Why did it matter so much to Germany that America should be sending tanks? There's kind of an official explanation, and then there's probably what the cynics would say is the real explanation. The official explanation that Schultz gave to the Bundestag on Wednesday is that Germany must move in lockstep with its fellow NATO allies, and it can't go out on its own and take the lead on this kind of initiative. The reason why I'm a bit sceptical of that is that the Americans were absolutely supportive of Germany going ahead and taking the lead on the tank initiative, so it wouldn't have been mm. undermining Western unity at all. The more kind of cynical explanation is just that yeah. Germany has been so worried about being in any way seen to be isolated by Russia. This is really about military power because the US is essentially the only country capable of ultimately guaranteeing Germany's security if it, if it really came down to the worst case scenario. These tanks have now been promised. Do we have any sense of when they might actually arrive or when they might actually be useful on the battlefield? It's going to happen pretty quickly in terms of the first tanks. The plan is for Britain to send its 14 Challenger 2s and then for Germany and its kind of coalition of partners to send a battalion of, of 40 Leopard 2s by the end of March. And that includes, you know, getting the Ukrainian soldiers trained to use them in combat and to maintain them, getting the, the kind of supplies of, of spare parts and so on in place. So that is a big logistical feat. And then the the next battalion of another kind of 40 to 50 Leopard 2s will, will turn up at some point, TBC. And it may be that the American tanks don't actually turn up until next year. What impact do we think they'll have? It's obviously not the full complement of 300 tanks Ukraine has asked for. It, it might be half that number if they're lucky. It's important to bear in mind as well that these tanks are primarily offensive weapons. They're not going to be hugely helpful in countering this huge Russian spring offensive the Ukrainians are anticipating, where the Russian armed forces are likely to throw hundreds of thousands of newly mobilised soldiers into the so-called meat grinder with these kind of cannon fodder tactics. Really, the, the strategic value of these tanks is, is going to be trying to regain 
Ukrainian territory to launch attacks of their own. And the military analysts have been pretty divided about the extent to which 125, 150 Western battle tanks are going to make a really material difference. But setting that question aside, it's a huge symbolic signal from the West that they're still backing Ukraine and they're going to keep going up this ladder for as long as they have to. Where does the next battle for more equipment go? You know, we've just got over sending some tanks. What else do the Ukrainians need and what else would they like Germany and the rest of NATO to be sending them? So less than an hour after the first leaks about the German tank delivery, Andriy Melnyk, who is Ukraine's deputy foreign minister, but is very famous in Germany for being hard as nails, very outspoken, super critical, ambassador in Berlin and kind of Scholz's old nemesis, really, tweeted, hallelujah, it's finally happening. Thank you. Now time to form an alliance to get F-16s, F-35s, tornadoes, whatever fighter planes you can send us. So, you know, instantly, thank you. But next, please. It's going to be fighter jets that are going to be the kind of new front line in this debate about how far the West can go in supporting Ukraine. And that is going to be a very interesting question. Do you think planes will be even more controversial? I do. We've been here before. If listeners can still remember the the distant days of, of last September... Poland announced a plan to send MiG-29 fighter jets to Ukraine. So a big development this morning in the effort to arm the Ukrainians with fighter jets, MiGs. Poland's foreign ministry says it is willing to put its entire fleet of the Soviet-era jets at the disposal of the U.S. But the U.S. says it wasn't pre-consulted on the move by Poland. At the kind of last minute, the Americans told them that this really wasn't going to work. And so they, they had to kind of pull back. The prospect of sending things like F-16s and F-35s makes a lot of NATO allies really uncomfortable. And in fact, Schultz was asked about this. An opposition MP stood up and said, when's this going to stop? Where's the red line? And Schultz said, look, I've been very clear in the past and I'll be so again today. This is not a question of fighter jets. Whether that line holds over the coming weeks and months is going to be fascinating. On Sunday, the Germans were again adamant that they won't be sending jets to Ukraine. For now. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has renewed his appeal for F-16 fighter jets less than a week after securing heavy tanks from Western backers. But German Chancellor Olaf Scholz has drawn a red line over supplying Kyiv with combat aircraft. What do you think perceptions of Olaf Scholz, do you think they've changed over the course of this affair? You have to draw a distinction between perceptions of him in Germany and perceptions of him abroad. In terms of his perception in Germany, his approval ratings have been tanking for a long time. His party's very far behind in the polls. And he had been criticised from all quarters for weeks over his silence on the tank question. And yet, when he stood up in the Bundestag on Wednesday to announce it. Ladies and gentlemen, dear members of parliament, 
I'm very happy to be able to take a question. It was absolutely extraordinary how his coalition rallied behind him and how the opposition couldn't land a blow on him. The leader of the opposition, Friedrich Merz, didn't even bother standing up to make a speech at this really kind of historic moment in Germany's development as a country. Internationally, it's very interesting. So there are NATO allies, especially the more gung-ho ones, who really feel that Schultz has gambled away the last of Germany's credibility with not just the prevarication over the tanks, but also previously with how long it took Germany to cancel the Nord Stream 2 pipeline shortly before the war, how long it took Germany to give other countries permission to send Ukraine weapons. And so there are definitely allies who are absolutely fed up with having to drag Germany at kicking and screaming every single step of the way. That said, there are also NATO allies, including some of the Eastern European states that are really supportive of Ukraine, who say, well, of course, Germany isn't a normal country. Look at the kind of millstone of historical guilt sitting on its shoulders. Look how its Russia policies were and how deep its pacifism was barely 12 months ago. The Germans are changing. They're on their way. They get it. They're just, they need more time. Let's just give them a bit of breathing space. Um, in America, the philosophy is known as strategic patience. And I've been struck talking to diplomats from other NATO allies by how much tolerance there is for Germany still, even after all of the public criticism. Oliver, you've been in Germany for some years now. You've watched it over the last year since the war in Ukraine broke out. Does it feel like a country in flux? Does it feel like all these sort of very long-held values are, are suddenly open for debate? When I moved here in, in 2018, I never thought I would see some of the things that have happened over the past 12 months. The war in Ukraine has just so massively accelerated Germany's development in so many fields of policy. We're looking at Germany rearming. We're looking at it committing to spending 2% of its GDP on defence. We're looking at Germany completely cutting Russian gas out of its energy mix. We're looking at Germany beginning to question it, its economic model and whether being so exposed to China, given the kind of geopolitical risks there, is really sensible. Really, on just about every conceivable front, been an absolutely extraordinary 12 months in this country. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Oliver Moody, Berlin correspondent for The Times. You can read more of Oliver's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. The producers today were Edward Drummond and Olivia Case. The executive producers were Kate Ford and James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find it. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.